0: Good morning, everybody. It's time for another Saturday morning sports emporium. My name's Justin Lee, joined by Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee. Good morning, gentlemen.
1: Hey, Justin.
0: Good morning. So we have lots to talk about on this 11th of July. It is Slurpee Day, but there will be no free Slurpees. But that's okay. But plenty to talk about. Very much uh, COVID-related, but uh, that'll—I do- mean, that do- thats dominating everything. So that's what we're going to be talking about today all across the spectrum, and uh, we can even talk about the crumbling of the Palace of Auburn Hills, which uh, apparently just occurred, and um, I don't know, a whole bunch of other stuff. How are we managing in this uh, lovely pandemic world, MLB, NBA, NHL, and a few other things on top of that. So in just a few moments. We shall reopen once again. So we're going to start in the world of Major League Baseball today and um, plenty of things to talk about there. We'll start with the Tigers because that's always fun. and. Um, you know, last time we were on, it was just before the MLB draft, and um, so we were talking about um, who are the Tigers actually going to select. It seemed a foregone conclusion that they would take Spencer Torkelson. They did take Torkelson. And I'm not sure I could have seen them doing anything else, And I think we even talked about that. Um, but the one thing I, I did want to talk about, is uh, it seems like and again this is baseball we've talked about it a hundred times that the draft in baseball doesn't mean as much as it does in other sports but it seems like the tigers had a really good draft a a lot of outside um, commentators said wow the tigers did a great job this time
1: yeah that you're absolutely correct justin that seemed to be the feedback that was uh, coming from uh, those who are um, analyzing. Uh, you know, the baseball draft. Um, I I think there was a little bit of scuttlebutt, you know, about 72 to 48 hours leading into the draft, that there was maybe a chance that the Tigers would not pick Torkelson because they didn't want to deal with Scott Boris, you know, his agent. And your thing was is that with the way that the revenue was being, you know, talked about is that maybe with not sending Torkelson, you'd be able to save a, a few dollars. Um, but, you know, I mean, they went out, they did what they really needed to do. And I think everybody agreed that Torkelson is a guy. And, and you know, there's different comparisons that are out there as it relates to uh, uh, Torkelson. But the, the, the general point being is that they went out, they picked the best guy from a hitting standpoint. Um, I think the, the biggest surprise out of it was the and, – and to me, I don't really – think of this much but it seemed like it it was a big deal to a lot of people is the fact that they announced uh charcoal not as a first baseman or an outfielder but as a third baseman uh and um that seemed to really kind of turn up people i i, I don't really know why i mean in the end that can change 50 times before he becomes a uh, major leaguer right but the the, but the general point being is that they went out and they got the guy that they really needed to pick the 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 obvious pick and sometimes that's difficult to do but they they made the right choice
2: yeah i know i mean i think uh he was pretty pretty much hands down the best pick for them you know and there was to justin's point a lot of hype around their draft, and there has been increasingly national attention just around the stable of players that they are assembling, uh, which is cool to see. You know, Boris was actually a part of uh, that hype train um, going into the draft, and then once they drafted Torkelson, and while he's irritating and he was doing that to, of course, drive up the value uh, of the contract that Torkelson would receive, it's also a good thing, too, that he was working with a prized asset such as Torkelson, who many believe – is kind of a franchise caliber player he was happy with him going to detroit he was not only happy with him going to Detroit, but hyping up detroit's rebuild this these are good things for the tigers that uh, you know this has happened before he did this in in 06 along with others you know in a similar way as the tigers were rebuilding then so those are all really good things uh i think it was the, the easy pick to make the good pick to make um got a lot of young talent, you know, I think the Justin, you can go into more detail on who they picked up in the the later rounds. And they were all, you know, they got a lot of praise for that as well. But, you know, I think as I always come back to, you know, now is the next couple of years is when we find out if Avila can move talent in a way to get this team to a world series.
0: Absolutely Um, true.
2: He's he's done all the things he needs to do from a drafting standpoint uh, over the years. And now we, we see, you know, an increasingly difficult acquisitions world. Can he, can he make the moves he needs to make? Um, yeah. what, you know, starting you know, I don't know what the deadline's gonna look like this year, but what do you do with a Matt Boyd? What do you do with a Michael Fulmer? What do you do with these guys relative to you know, all this talent that's coming in?
0: And Adam, before you uh, speak, I was just gonna say, uh, trade deadline is, I believe, September the 11th. Just FYI.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And again, you know, the the season itself will get underway uh, July 24th. Uh, where the uh, Tigers will uh, be uh, starting their season at Cincinnati, and then their quote-unquote home opener will be uh, um, on uh, July 27 against the Royals. But kind of going back to the draft, a couple names that kind of popped out at me in terms of all the talk associated with the organization. Daniel Cabrera from LSU, an outfielder. Uh, A left, you know, throws left and uh, backs left. So uh, that's pretty good. Something that uh, you don't ever have enough uh, left hand Uh, hitting in in my estimation Uh, and then um, uh, but but again Dan Cabrera was thought to be really in a lot of people's mind a first round draft pick Uh, and then the other guy uh, guy that played with Spencer Torkelson is uh, uh, Gage Workman Uh, he's actually he is a third baseman uh, switch hitter um, and I think those are the two guys that uh, seem to get the most uh, pub if you will uh, coming out of the draft uh, considering uh, where, um, you know, they, they got drafted and uh, um, just in general their talent. And I think the key here, uh, you know, Riley Green picked a couple of, you know, two years ago. He was out of high school. There was a little bit of a criticism uh, with the picking of someone out of high school by the Tigers that really needed, uh, you know, very quote-unquote present talent. Uh, on on the roster and in their organization, uh, and of course, then this year you look at it. Uh, basically, uh, every one of their draft picks outside of uh, Colt Keith, um, out of uh, Mississippi, uh, all out of uh, college programs, very good college programs. Outside, maybe the exception in Ohio State, uh, but all um, uh, out of very good programs and in uh, late. Uh, your juniors or seniors so um certainly that's something to consider is the you know you think about what happened with riley green and what they did this year so
0: you, you had me at hello there adam I, you took the words right out of my mouth um i thought it was great that they went and got um college players um that was i i think that's huge these are guys who are going to be ready for the majors sooner than a guy like riley green um they have had more time to develop, more time for scouts to watch them. I mean, it's, it's the whole Billy Bean, uh, you know, uh, theory uh, is you, you want to go, particularly with pitching, and in this case it was all hitters, but still very excited that they went out and got mostly college players. And Cole Keith is a really interesting one to watch, could totally flame out, but could also be um, a really surprise pick um he was not expected to be picked because he had a high asking price. Tigers went out they paid that price over what they were supposed to pay. um although they still did stay under the penalty cap. um and you know this is this is somebody who can at least at the high school and expected to at the college level both hit and pitch and it it would be very interesting to see what he's going to do. um so it was it was a little bit of an out of the box uh decision for the tigers and i i really rather liked it another player to mention yes. i think oh were you gonna say no i was
2: gonna say un- and unusual uh, a different kind of move uh, yes. uh than Aguirre has been want to make uh in his tenure yeah uh, i think it, i think leads to you know the belief that he does actually believe at this point that he's assembled the base stable of talent that he needs um to get this team where he wants it to go and he's willing to as someone who's Not particularly successful as a GM thus far uh, for a variety of reasons we've talked about willing to gamble on someone like him. uh, I think speaks to where his mind is at, which is interesting.
0: It is. Uh, Last person, I think the only one we really haven't talked about is Trey Cruz, third generation baseball player. Uh, Again, those have typically been, um, you know, we've typically seen that throughout baseball history of, you know, multi generational talents making the big leads, uh, big leagues, uh, shortstop. So, all good. Yep. So, what does that leave us today? Um, and I think um, what the Tigers did with their 60 man roster um, is is very, very interesting as well, and kind of plays again to this um, to where they are with the young talent. So, uh, for those who might not be familiar. Basically, what Major League Baseball is doing for the 60-game season is saying, "Hey, um, we're expanding the the pool of players that you can play during the season. You get a list of 60. You get to play. Your 40-man roster has to be part of those 60, but you get these other 20 slots that can be players, you know, elsewhere in your minor league." Organization, the Tigers put nine of their 10 top prospects in this group. The only one they didn't is having Tommy John surgery this year. So they said, you know what, we're going to put our prospects on there. We're going to let them hang out in Toledo with some major leaguers who are going to be in Toledo. So, you know, like I expect Jordy Mercer most likely will end up starting the year in Toledo or Brandon Dixon or both. Um, Jorge Bonifacio, um, other, other guys like that where they can not only will they be working with coaches, but they'll also be working with some other um, guys who've been in the majors and at least allowing them to continue to develop. And I I thought that was super interesting. Um, And that also Avila thinks that he has a roster that's strong enough to not have to go down because they don't want to bring these guys up. They have flat out said, we're not bringing Torkelson up this year. We're not bringing Green up this year. We're not doing any of that. So they think they have enough talent on their roster and won't go through the insane level of injuries they did last year um, to, to, to put a decent product on the field for those 60 games. And if you look at their roster, I don't disagree.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're aided greatly by the abbreviated season. Yes. We have no idea what
0: the injuries – we
2: have no idea how, what injuries are going to look like in professional sports right now covid aside so yeah. Um, yeah i think it's a fair assessment i think you know um in a 60 game schedule you know yeah it, it makes sense I,
1: I was looking at the 40 uh uh person roster 40 player roster and and the um there were a couple things that kind of um uh jumped out at me uh, the big one really was that that School Bowl was on the 40 man roster and i would have thought he would have been I, I maybe i don't understand Maybe I don't understand uh, what his situation is in terms of uh, uh, from, uh, you know, years of service or, or whatever, but I, I would have thought he would have not been on the 40-man roster. So,
0: I'm, I'm um, pretty sure he's not. Um, oh, I, I,
1: I looked this morning. I mean, it's right there at the 40-man roster on the Detroit Tigers website, and he's school bull is on there. I mean, so I that's why I'm bringing him up. I thought it was very strange, so. Um uh but but, but yeah but, I don't think
0: that's accurate You don't think
1: like, that's accurate?
0: No, because like Trey Stokes Jr. is still he's on, on the injured there injured
2: list right now, isn't he? Isn't <laughs> School on like the ten day injured list?
0: He might be uh that not I'm not
2: human, sure. right? He's he's hurt.
0: Um that I'm not sure about. Um
2: No, I, I am he's hurt. He's not in camp. I, I don't know where I read that the other day.
0: Because he's not oh yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, he is on the ten day list. Um but it is unclear if it's a COVID thing or if it's a um injury thing. Yeah, uh him, Norris, um Sergio Alcantara, Paredes, Scuble, Faedo, and Daz Cameron. So yeah, that's that's very odd, but I haven't seen anything where he's been assigned Where Scoobal's been assigned to the 40 man roster, but I see what you're saying, Adam. It is on the website. Um, But there are no transactions that I can find with him. My understanding is he is
2: not on the 40 day roster, 40 man roster.
1: Interesting. Well, According to the website on DetroitTigers.com, he is. And and I'm only bringing, we're all on the same page. It's kind of weird to see him on that list, and maybe there's a. A, a documentation thing or some sort of transaction that's required. of I mean, the point being is that you know at this point, obviously you're not going to. go and what I'm hearing from Justin is that we should be hearing about Casey Mize, Matt Manning, probably to, carry to to be on that roster at toledo you know and to to be able to then go ahead and and obviously do do their thing uh maybe even a franklin perez uh would press will be there. On, on on that team hopefully isaac Preeti, along with daz yep. cameron and and, yep. and those guys will be on and and you know probably not any of these guys that got drafted and of course riley green would be on that roster as well yeah
0: so two, both torkelson and um their second round pick who actually we did not talk about the catcher um uh dingle i believe is his name um they are both on the uh yeah, Dylan Dingler. Sorry, Dingler, Dingler. Dingler. Um, <laughs> they are both on the sixty-man uh, roster as well, uh, and have been in camp. Uh, yeah. at summer camp, if you will. Um, so yeah, but 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 that's kind of where I was going with this. Is you've got Torkelson in camp, you've got Dingler in camp, you've got Riley Green in camp, Casey Mize, um. You know, Nolan Blackwood, um, Fiedo, Bo Burrows, Matt Manning, Tarek Skubal. I mean, it's exciting. I mean, they, they really do have some makings of a team that could be very, very good um, in the not super distant future. I mean, and don't forget about Willie Castro and um, maybe some of the other young guys will work out as well you know cameron Paredes you mentioned and it's a do or die year for candelario for lugo um so it'll be Stewart's very interesting
2: probably not too far behind
0: yeah agreed totally agreed so if one,
2: for only if the only reason that there's talent pushed up against him which mm-hmm. is a good problem to have.
0: it's a great problem and like they didn't even bring up onto the 60-man rosters guys like um uh daniel woodward or jacob robson who have had two good seasons in toledo the last two years um you know you 280 with power and speed i mean that's not bad that's probably worth a shot in the majors just to see if they can stick and these guys they, they can't even get here because there's other guys in their way so right
1: So a couple guys that have, uh, in terms of the the second uh, version of spring that have come out and uh, uh, drawn rave reviews uh, include uh, a guy by the name of Miguel Cabrera and another guy by the name of Michael Fulmer, who (laughs) both appear to be in as good a shape as they both have been. Uh, Michael Fulmer, maybe his career – and certainly um, many years and maybe even a Marlins jersey uh, in a case of, of Mickey Cabrera.
0: I was shocked, actually, with Cabrera. I mean, he did look good in spring and what have you. But then, you know, this whole delay, I wasn't sure what was going to happen and, and what have you. And they had a picture of him in the paper um, yesterday, the day before. You know, it's been oppressively hot. And so he's wiping his brow with his shirt. He's like ripped. Like I'm like uh you have abs. I didn't think Miguel Cabrera had those. Um, yeah. It it was actually fairly surprising and he was when they were showing him doing drills, uh just running the bases, he looked like a normal major leaguer, not like a pained old man trying to get around the bases. Again, who knows what's going to happen, right?
1: Correct. Oh no, but I mean but, it, it it's great to see that he is Making it an attempt to reinvent himself a little, exactly. at, at the very least, right? So,
2: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm happy for him, and I'm happy for his legacy that he's doing this. Uh, I don't know what it's going to mean for the Tigers this year, honestly. You know or how his health is going to be, but I'm glad that he responded this way because it was embarrassing last year, and I think he sensed that. Um, yeah. You know how he was, you know, even battling the injuries. If he's the greatest hitter of a generation, to to perform like that, you know, even even other old aging greats uh, have not sunk to to the kind of levels he was hitting at last year. I think he got it and he responded. And I think, uh, regardless of what happens, it'll be it'll be good for him because I think even if injuries do plague him again, there will be stretches of time where they do not, mm-hmm. and then I think he will respond in kind. And I think for whatever he has left in his career, it'll be it'll be a good thing for him.
1: I I think in the end that the it's a win-win situation because even if he comes out and he plays one of his better seasons ever which I mean I'm not saying he will or won't it it won't impact this team because they're just not that good so I mean but at the very least it gives people who are going to watch this team something to watch Mm -hmm. and I think when you're thinking about last season there was nothing to watch unless you were just a one million percent baseball geek and you were trying you you could find something out of nothing Uh, but if you get if you get a guy like Mickey Cabrera out there and he's out there having fun then then the product is is at the very least somewhat watchable
0: exactly
2: true Okay. I, I wouldn't understand, though, what him playing well does for the younger guys in the lineup. I mean, you know, the, the guys that were trying to hit around him last year, I mean, the whole formula broke because he wasn't protecting anyone. Correct. Um, you know, you Cassiano, you know, drives, you know, 300 miles uh, you know, west and starts hitting like Hank Aaron. So <laughs> that's because he had some help in the order, you know? I mean. Absolutely,
1: uh, no. For guys
2: right. like Candelario, Stewart. Um, you know, obviously there's a couple of veterans we've added that won't need him as much, Cron yeah. and, and Shoop, but um, yeah, I think yeah. I think I agree with the win-win yeah, for sure. Just, yeah. Let's get that OPS uh, above <laughs> 750.
1: Yes, <Yeah>, please. <laughs> you know, on the other team, Michael Fulmer, a, a guy that yeah. I, I think on this particular team we just talked about. You know, the point about Maggie Cabrera supporting the rest of the the lineup if he is in fact, you know, going to be able to kind of get back to a little bit of that performing couple right michael former if you can get him back healthy and he he is performing somewhat close to what he was and 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 the reality is he's probably just going to kind of ease into it for this particular season to be able to then go ahead and be in a lot better position to have a good 2021 campaign, right? Uh, but but I, I think that's another one as we're looking at this team for the next couple of years. Boy, it'd be nice to see a, a good uh, Michael Fulmer out there for the rest of this starting um, you know uh, pitching staff rotation to be able to maybe feed off of that as well
2: and this is what kind of i was kind of getting at earlier this is what's so interesting to me is because we don't know how this 60 game schedule is going to affect the arms race at the end of the year and so we've talked a lot about the rapidly decreasing like you know trade deadline you know the, the value of acquisitions is dropping precipitously every year where there used to be these you know massive deals Teams would get great returns in terms of prospects. Teams are hanging on to those now. Yep. Does this change that? Because, I mean, I think the 60-game schedule, there are going to be teams that over 162 games would, would fade after the All-Star break that are going to be quite competitive um, going into that September trade deadline. And if they stay healthy, we'll feel like they can threaten for a World Series. And so, you know, assuming that COVID doesn't shut the season down, and I'm not sure that it won't, um, <laughs> what does that do to the arms race? You know, and does that does that – you know, and that's kind of what I was getting at with Avila. It's like, what's he going to do with some of these guys?
0: Um, yeah, really hard to say.
2: Uh, string together, it's eight, ten starts where he looks anything to, close to what Adam was describing. Like,
1: Well, and again, the other guy to talk up. about.
2: He's striking guys out of the clip he was pre-All-Star break last year.
1: Right. Matt, Matt Boyd is the one that'll be the, the, the one to watch, but – to the point that you just made, Brandon, the, the real question is, wh- where is the baseball season going to be by by the trade deadline? Um, are, are they going to be able to manage the COVID enough to be able to finish out the season? And I think that that's really the, the several million dollar question.
0: It yeah. is. And we don't know. And what we do know is that pretty much every team in baseball has a handful of players who have tested positive. Yep. Um, some have had worse situations than, the, than others. The Phillies had kind of a run of players who, who got sick and staff members. So it's impossible. It's impossible to know what's going to go on. But um, I will say uh, July 23rd, I am, or 24th, I am very much looking forward to baseball being a thing that I can actually uh, watch again, even if it's just on TV. Our uh, season ticket package finally got canceled for the year, um, But uh, it, uh, which is fine. Um, but it'll be nice. It'll be nice. We're going to go visit uh, Mr. Castellanos, Mr. Suarez down in Cincinnati to get the season kicked off. So all we can do is wait and see.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I, I think that's um you know to me the most interesting thing about baseball is to get it underway and to see how baseball is major league baseball is able to manage in this because i think that will go a long way for us to be able to understand how hockey and how basketball will will be handling it and of course inevitably then we get to that point Uh, With with the NFL, we're going to get a really good idea as to how these things are going to be managed once we put plays underway, even though for the most part, uh, you know, and and I don't think it's a great baseline because I think it's totally different. But the PGA has done an absolutely tremendous job. In, in when you consider you know this epidemic, to be able to manage it the way they have, and and whether it be just the the, the testing, whether it be the uh, armband that they've given all the players and the caddies to that goes ahead and senses the COVID symptoms and whatever, and lights up if if there is you know a, a, a problem. Um, so I, I'm I'm hoping that all these team sports are as successful.
0: So, yeah. Totally agree, and so with yeah, that. No, I, oh, I, go ahead.
2: I was just gonna say. I think what's the what? I think there's two things to consider. I think there's one is how do leagues handle playing in the age of COVID, and I think then there's the where COVID is as far as the southwest part of this country right now, and that, that's actually my concern is that the league will manage to keep this relatively constrained, and that actually the deterioration of California, Arizona, and Texas in particular will actually throw a wrench in some of baseball's plans. Because um, if you just look at some of the travel schedules, I mean, one county in Arizona has nine times more cases than the country of Canada. And the Blue Jays play in Canada and Toronto. And like Mopata County in Arizona has like nine times more cases on a daily basis right now.
1: Like, yeah, was- so how
2: do, you, how do you manage, you know, the relativity of, of risk uh, and exposure when you have, 10,000 cases today in some states, you know, and a hundred, a couple hundred cases a day in Canada, right? you know, even though it's just one team, but like, you know, New York is in a very different place than Texas, and Texas is in a different place than Michigan, and a different place than Florida, right? And so how do you balance all of that out? And what I'm beginning to wonder is if there's going to come a time when California and Texas really get draconian again in terms of what they allow and simply shut down the states. you know, shut, shut down everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because I actually think baseball, I actually think the sports leagues will be okay um, in terms of how they manage it. Um, because one, they're, you know, they're dealing with some of the best athletes in the world. You know, they have a relatively contained situation. The number of people that tested positive with baseball was proportionally very low compared to even the NBA uh, or, or uh, the tour. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, and they're going to have doctors constantly monitoring. They'll be immediately treated like, I mean, I think that's all going to be okay. The question is, is, does the chaos around them? Um, throw a wrench into the plans for those particular states.
1: And and I think the big thing when you're looking at the team sport is that I think what you're going to have that initial rush of, of um, positive COVID tests when you've had people being in different places and, and being with different people and whatever, right? And then when you, you once you're like the NBA, you're going to get the, you know, the players in the bubble, then the same thing is going to happen with baseball is that there's going to be a lot more of a restriction of, you know, who, who they're interacting with once, you know, these activities get underway. You know, uh, and, and that's where, to your point, Brandon, I'm not very concerned about any sort of, outbreak happening like you know if you look at the major league baseball schedule i'm not a, i'm not nervous about an outbreak happening in the middle of august just very randomly right it's more the getting everyone in getting in and, and making sure that we're monitoring where the players are going and, and coming and who they're interacting with once you get that in place then it the, the risk of an yeah. outbreak is rather it should be minimal but to your point too you know how much are you going to be able to manage it if, in fact, as you say, there's a complete out of control uh, uh, outbreak in the area that those players are in? Yeah. I don't know, but 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 I will say this: I, of th- th- these uh, different professional sports leagues, they will figure it out. I really do think they'll figure it out. So,
2: yeah. So, uh, did you? No, no, no. I was just oh. yeah in Yeah, baseball. And golf to me have the best chance because of the nature of the games. Yeah,
0: so I wanted to actually uh, go to the NBA next because they're the next closest to playing. We've got the bubble, Adam. You already mentioned, um, and so the first few days of the bubble has has, has seen <laughs> a bit of whining from the uh, from the players. They very unimpressed with the food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't help them there, but. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, the NBA's approach and actually getting that season underway?
1: I, just like I said, I think, you know, that, that start because, I, I, you know, the biggest thing that people have been told through this whole thing is watch being in crowds of people. Well, most of these guys in the NBA, they're late teens, early twenties. They're 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 in the zenith of their life. They got money, more money than anything. They're they're with their crew. They're with their, you know, they probably are going to bars and, and whatever. It is what you know. I and and so that's where you got to get them into the bubble, and then get to the point where again, you 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 know the the risk of the COVID can kind of of be relaxed. Yes, we we knew there would be complaining. I'll tell you what, in a couple weeks when NFL training camp starts, oh, man, the the complaining will be ridiculous. So guess what? (laughs) It's ridiculous every year with NFL training camp, regardless if it's a COVID pandemic going on. Um, So nothing surprising there. Um, And, and, you know, the one thing is is that with all these leagues, we've seen people, you know, hey, I can't be there because of, you know, uh, we got family members that are, you know, not available. Um, or, you know, are not going to be able to get there, or family members that are uh, at high risk, um, or we've got, uh, we're, we're basically, hey, we're, we're simply not going to get involved uh, and, and, and we'll just wait till n- next season. And that's going to happen across the board. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and we're probably going to hit that, you know, pretty soon here with the NFL once more people understand what the restrictions are. Uh, but with baseball, I suppose he came out, no, that he was not COVID. It was more of a, um, um, the, he was adopting twins and he just said, Hey, based on what the circumstances are, I'm out. I, I, I can't, I can't be you know doing this, and they seem to be some flexibility in terms of you know the league in terms of their responses to these situations, which I think has been a very big positive but going back to the NBA um, I think they'll get underway I think that and, and it'll provide a tremendous Blueprint in terms of what you can do and what you can't do. We're going to find it with the NHL. We're going to talk about that in a couple, you know, minutes. Where um, you know they're not in Florida, and to the point that Brandon made earlier, they're in a, in the opposite of a hotbed uh, in in the Canadian cities that they're going to be in. Um, but uh, with the NBA, I, I I think again, it's just a matter of getting going and getting into that routine.
2: Yeah, no, I think the, the to your point, the bubble is what. You know, will that will that experiment work, uh, you know, and, and yes, they're, they're irritated, you know, J.R. Smith said that the, the hotel rooms are like motel six, which is great. It's interesting, at least because he is the motel six of reserve guards. So um, he would know um, <laughs> Anyways, um, I do not like J.R. Smith. But no, I, I mean, I think um, Yeah, again, you know, I think the thing I think about with baseball with the NFL with um, the NBA, you know, I, I have very little concern about the athletes. Um, my concern is what what kind of risk does this create for the folks that don't make millions of dollars a year that have to participate in this? Because they were describing, you know, how Disney's ramping up, you know, their carryout services so that the food is better, so that the millionaires can eat the food they want to eat. Um, you know, but you know, people have to work to make that food, and they don't have team doctors surrounding them. They're not being tested every day. You know, and so I think that that is part of my concern is, you know, how many people are we putting at risk across these sports leagues so that they can function? Um and I want sports back as much as anybody, but I think that will become a story uh in the next couple of months. I
1: I'd be curious that I, I don't know the situation like what you're you're referring to, the uh uh you know, the staff supporting it. I mean I kinda go back to We talked a little bit about this last time with horse racing, where, you know, these different horse racing places basically have have gone ahead. And um, there, you know, anyone that's working at, you know, one of these, uh, um, you know, horse racing uh, arenas, if you will, uh, basically they're being put up They're They're being told to, you know, live in these particular living quarters and and again, limit their uh, contact with anyone outside of, mm-hmm. of the people working at the uh, uh, paddocks and, and whatnot. I, yeah. I wonder if the same thing will happen here, where the NBA or Disney World or whoever running this is going to say these people that are doing the food and 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 all this stuff, we're going to put them up here in in, in Disney World, and you're you know we're going to pay. Yeah, you. No, no,
2: that's no, that's exactly what's happening.
1: Okay, so Our, so
2: making and they're making fourteen ninety five an hour, and.
1: Well, the other
2: guy's I, making 14 a second, right? So, I mean, it's proportionate risk, right? You're saying, right. I need you to make this good food so that a guy, a, a shitty reserve guard, you know, can, can you know, make $8 million a year to play 10 minutes a game, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying is that's the proportionate risk of, of what's going on here. And so I'm, saying, I'm just saying that will become a story at some point because they are, they are accepting the same risk. They right. are not professional athletes. Um, well, in order for it to continue and I just wonder what the longevity is depending on how well this goes again no concern like they the, the athletes will be fine um it, it's what is the ecosystem required in, in terms of maintaining that I mean a, a few weeks ago there were several stories out of Texas um talking about how the the Texas Rangers front office front office staff were terrified of coming into work you know even though they were going to be tested they were terrified of showing up to work because there's a pandemic you know and and they don't have they don't have professional athlete bodies. They don't have access, you know, to the team medical doctors in the same way, right? And so, I also think that, that that puts all of this at risk too. It's just what what does that look like, particularly in places where the outbreak is more significant?
0: And and I think that's a question that everybody is grappling with from a business standpoint, because um, there there aren't any easy answers. So I'm I'm looking at it from my own situation of. Um, and this has been going on since since the, the original lockdown order back in March here in Michigan um, it uh, you know we, we've had a small quote-unquote essential staff that's been in the office uh, you know we're in the legal business we're still getting mail we're still getting checks we're still getting money to clients um, we're still taking care of critical court functions um, things of that nature in, in order for that to happen somebody's got to open the mail Somebody's got to put the checks in the bank. Somebody's got to write the checks. Somebody's got to do the basic, basic stuff to keep a business functioning. Yep. And those people are making the same money that they did prior to COVID. Uh, and they're not profiting. They're not the owners. They're not any of that. And and so it is It is the same, the same kind of circumstances. We have to try to balance we have to try to balance the fact that at least they're working and not on unemployment, which is going to go away at some point. And they would, they're, well, there's also the issue of some people actually are making more on un- unemployment and some are not, but they could be out of work. Um, they're generally allowed to rotate. And, um, there's you know, stricter cleaning protocols, there are things that are being done to try to make it better. Um, and if we don't function, then we have the people out of work, we have clients not getting money that they potentially need to survive. Um, I mean, how do you balance all of those different factors? Because various people yeah. in that chain have different motivations and different needs And it's, 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 it's almost impossible. And we have some people who are like, I am never setting foot outside my house ever again. And we've tried to accommodate those people and other people who are like, yeah, I'll I'll come into the office every day. I prefer it. I don't mind wearing a mask. I don't mind doing the things. Okay, cool. And, and, and I think that's what we're going to find in these leagues as well, as long as the leagues and they would be, utterly stupid to not, as long as they take good care of these people and do give them access to the medical care if they need it, do clean things, do actually treat them like human beings, we will see it succeed. If the league decides, eh, I'm not so concerned, you know, this guy um, just had a kid at home, doesn't want to work for two weeks, so we're just going to fire him and bring in this next person. And if there's an outbreak and they don't deal with it, then we're going to see people just get up and walk out to your point. Brandon is that there is a risk reward situation going on here. And as long as those individuals are at least treated relatively well and they're safe, they feel like they, they have as much safety as they can have it. It'll still work. Um, But it's not going to be easy and it's never easy. I, and it's, it's every, every day from a business standpoint, we're talking about this of how do we manage the nonsense? How do we manage the client who comes in, who doesn't want to wear a mask? How do we manage um, all kinds of things? Uh, we, we, the, the, the security guard at the front desk, who's not wearing a mask. How do we manage a um, hundred other, hundred other things, a positive test in the building. Um uh, they're, yeah. They're, it, it's Yeah, different.
2: no, no. I mean, yeah, that all makes sense. To me. I mean, obviously, and I know you know this, right? You're, there's what you're describing, and there's throwing a ball into a hoop. True. Like, and, and believe me, I will be, I will be watching the crappiest of crappy NBA and, and major league baseball games when they come on TV. <laughs> Pelican Sacramento, must see TV, right? Like, I'm there. But, but, but I mean, we don't need to derail it any further. I'm just, I am, I am forecasting series of stories about the relative risk and impact that opening up sports is going to have on people that don't make very much money. Mm-hmm.
1: And I just think it's a two-way street too, right? I mean, if, if you didn't have this NBA thing going on or Major League Baseball and whatever, I mean, you think about no one in the stands and how many people who are vendors that are in the stands that don't have jobs. So, I I, I mean, there, there, there's this, this – endless balance that has to be played and and i agree brandon i mean when you're looking at the income disparity i mean it's basically completely over the top ridiculous right but at the same time uh, those same people that are at that you know where they're at in the food chain unfortunately probably are beyond grateful just to have that opportunity of 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 working if if in 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 a lot of their minds I, i and and again the the it will be an individual by individual, individual basis to what their perspective is. And, sure. um, and, and you're correct. It will be very interesting to watch and, and you know see what stories do prevail.
0: And you know there are people out there right now who are upset that we're not opening Major League Baseball parks. Oh, You for know sure. those people are out there. Um, and to your point, Adam, there's a whole ton of people there who don't have jobs right now, or supplementary yep. income, or whatever, uh, charities that aren't getting the chance to make concession money, there, there's those various things. But the risk isn't worth worth it. And and again, that's one of those terrible decisions that has to be made. Of yep, these people, they're out of luck. But it's better protection. I mean, you put people in the stadium, and you're gonna have a spike. I mean, I, I mean that's just that's just yeah. a no-brainer. So correct. It's, it's impossible. It really is. And it's disappointing. But, but one thing I didn't want to lose in this conversation, and then we can move on um, sports wise is there have been some high profile players in major league baseball say, Hey, I'm not going to be doing this. And I I haven't seen as much in the NBA, but I I believe it's happened as well. Um, Saying, you know what, I'm just going to sit this year out. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman of the nationals, uh, Mike Trout's been talking about it because he's got a kid do sometime during the season Um, and it's been very interesting to watch and I'm just curious if you guys have any thoughts on that and the and the responses
1: to that. I, it's not surprising, right, I think, it, it, because, it, again, it's an individual by individual perspective that's being used to, you know, take, you know, their their independent approaches to what they're going to do. And I think, you know, for the most part, you know, the uh, owners and, and the management within the league have been rather accepting of the fact that they, they do know that not everybody's going to play. And I think the other thing that will be interesting to watch is that as we progress, and, and again, I say that once, once you get everyone in camp and it should be, you know, the, the number of cases in my estimation should be very minimal, especially if you're, you know, minimizing the contact that you have with the general public. Right. But, if in fact we do have that outbreak you know within a team and and they're not able to play for a week you know what is going to be the 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 approach that these leagues are going to take and and uh, um i i don't know that that's to me going to be the most fascinating thing is the the evolvement of what will happen in each of these leagues as things go on and and i i guess i keep on looking at, at the pga and the PGA is not the uh, a, a like to like with many of these, but again, a lot of these guys they're in the locker room uh, with the other players, and for the and for the most part, I mean they've done an absolutely fantastic job of it, and I think it's just a matter of understanding what the PGA has done, they'll put it into place with you know what's happening uh, with these different sports leagues, and uh um and, and again the the thing that will determine the success will be in general human behavior right you know wearing the mask yeah. if you're going to go out oh by the way making sure that you know you know I, i'm kind of different than most i think that you know wearing a mask is part of the toolbox but it's not the end-all be-all uh, for what it's supposed to be you know you gotta wash your hands as we were told before and do all these things and again, make smart decisions as to how you're going to carry out if you listen to the pga tour players they've been very conservative about how often they go out to dinner or something like that there's a lot of you know they're trying to get places where they can prepare meals and stuff like that um and and that will be uh um what we'll have to see but to answer your question to me the most telling thing will be if there is a breakout how the league will handle it, how the players will react and what exactly is the end result. Uh, and, and we'll know a lot probably by labor day, uh, as we're looking at major league baseball, NBA and, uh, uh, NHL slowly getting underway and it will provide a tremendous blueprint in my estimation as far as football goes. So.
0: So with that said, um, So NBA starts July 30th. That's when things um, get going there. You won't see the Detroit Pistons there. Um, Shocking. However, the Pistons did make something of a surprise move in the hiring of their general manager in this offseason, although somebody who, um, I don't know, gets gets fairly high marks uh, for his time with uh, the Thunder. Um, So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that as well.
1: Well, I mean, when you look at Troy Weaver, uh, a guy that was part of the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder organization for several years, including the drafting long time ago of Russell Westbrook, uh, a guy that uh, um, it has been looked at as a uh, person who has been um, uh, definitely in a position of, of, You know, should have been hired maybe many years ago. Uh, In fact, the Pistons organization came out and said they had approached Troy Weaver two years ago about this role. And then they went back and again, they approached him again. Um, Troy, for the most part, if you think about it, was looking for that, what he deemed to be the perfect opportunity, which everyone in the NBA said he deserved every right to be looking for that uh, opportunity. Uh, And I think for the Pistons, this is a major, major uh, awesome hire, uh, for them and their organization. Um, and, and I think, you know, we've talked on this show before, uh, Brandon and I are in agreement that th- this organization is not in a bad a shape as you would think. Yes. Mm-hmm. They've made very bad decisions in the last couple of years, but even with those bad decisions, they have found themselves with an opportunity of really improving themselves. And, and Brandon, when I look at the guy like Trey Weaver, you've got a, a, uh, very high draft pick coming up. You've got lots of money under the cap. And it, it just seems like Troy has really been looking for that opportunity. And I do find it interesting in the end that it is going to be the pistons that he will, you know, put his time into making things happen.
2: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I thought it I thought it was a great move. You know, there are there are two schools in NBA GM hiring. There is the Shane Battier, Tayshaun Prince. Uh, a lot of juice uh, in the name, you know, and what, what what they're trying to do to the front office and how they could potentially recruit free agents, uh, and then there's you know trying to zero in on someone with a very specific skill set, and in his case, it's it was player development, um, and you know I think in some ways I actually thought he might he might have been hanging on to try to get the Thunder job too, um, but he is be- he was behind uh, in Sam Presti, you know, one of the prodigies of professional sports, right? A guy who took over the Sonics at the time, I think at 30, Um, you know, and obviously obviously they've had all the success the Thunder have had, even though they haven't got the championship. They've been incredibly competitive over the last 13 years. Um, And so, you know, I thought it was a good sign that he wanted to come here. Um, I also liked that he's surrounded with a guy like Stefanski, who's a good baseball or good basketball mind too. Uh, And so I think he's really being brought in to say, as the GM, I want you to really focus on player development. Uh, and on getting the right talent and less so on recruiting, less so on some of the other elements of strategy that Stefanski will continue to take on in his role. And so I think it's, it's just adding depth to their front office. Um, you know, it's just a different path to take. It's a very different path than this, uh, a Stan Van Gundy type who is, you know, a firecracker and a Dombrowski. Like, he's going to come in. He's going to do it all himself. He's going to be making the pitches. He's going to be trying to make the big deals. This to me seems much more surgical um and so I, I i think it's a phenomenal phenomenal move for them uh, you, know, you know now now the problem is as adam you and i referenced before is will goris get out of the way um or will we continue to see yeah. stuff like you know derrick rose mm-hmm. um you know continue to to show up in terms of some of their moves because if stefanski and and weaver are left to their devices i think with the cap space that they have and with the pick they have and the talent they already have this is, could be a very competitive team in two years
1: and I think with yeah. Arm Talam still there, I think that's the other person to really kind of watch because he's the one, you know, bringing in the Derrick Rose of the world and 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 whatnot. Which again, the, the bringing of a, in of a Derek Rose is a great thing to do if you're on the cusp of doing something special,
2: or so, if you're gonna,
1: yeah, or you know, do, do do something that you you're not doing with Derek Rose now, right? Um, and and I think. So, so when you're looking at the Pistons organization, you're, you're hoping that with Troy Weaver being brought in, that he's going to be able to get the autonomy that, that he requires to do. And to your point, Brandon, th- that if if it's going to be Tom Gores, continuing to be the Tom Gores in the last couple of years, ugh, boy, I'll tell you what, then maybe, maybe Troy Weaver didn't make the right pick. But I have to imagine... That when he sat and he talked with Arm he talked with Stefanski, and he talked to Tom Gores. And I mean, no doubt Troy Weaver has watched his organization and he said, Hey, I, I if I'm coming here and I'm not able to do what I can do, then I'm I'm not gonna be bothered. And and I yep. would imagine that Tom Gores had to go through an exercise of convincing Troy, nope, I, I understand what I did and And when you looked at a couple of the, the, you know, even the, it was way too late, but that trading of, of Andre Drummond to me was a very telling move while it it didn't garner what it should have garnered. Uh, um, the, the, the thing is that that was a great decision by an organization to go, okay, we screwed up. We, we have not managed this correctly. Now we need to start moving in an appropriate direction.
0: They needed to dump the salary. Um that that was if they got a bucket of basketballs for that true i, I mean i mean they just needed to dump the salary because their salary situation and again this is part of what we've talked about their salary situation is so much improved right now that it's going to give the front office some more flexibility so next season they've only got 70 million uh, assigned to the cap and that's with a 12 something player option on snow uh, and i don't know What's going to it's happen
2: like,
0: there? 30 million of that is by Griffin. And 36 is, is Griffin. Um, right. So that, that gives them all kinds of room. The cap will be 30, 131, something like that. I mean, that's all kinds of room uh, to be able to do things, to hopefully not make stupid signings. But but they were in this position where they were just completely and utterly constrained by salary cap issues. Josh Smith is no longer drawing 5.3 million a year. Oh, um, too bad. Bobby Bonilla, on the other hand, is still drawing uh, money uh, from Benetta. the Nets.
1: Um, but but, but, anyway. But, but I think, Justin, here's the thing. The move with Drummond was, well, I totally agree. Good for the salary cap. It was still symbolic. It was symbolic of yes, going, mm-hmm. we, we screwed up. We did not manage this correctly. And not only did we screw up and not manage it correctly, we're just going to go ahead and ship him down to Cleveland. Somebody within our uh, you know, within <laughs> our division and, and e- even at that we 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 don 't care we 're okay. going to move on and Bye, Andre. Look forward yeah,
2: to
1: seeing yeah <laughs> but symbolism it 's the symbolism of the move that I think goes a long way in terms of of telling someone like troy weaver hey we we need to do a few things in this organization and we 're hoping you 're the guy to bring on board to make those things happen yep.
0: so. yeah I agree. So with that said, uh the next sports league that we're looking at having um having a start to the season would be the NFL, NHL is looking at December 1st uh to kick off their next season. Um what what is what what's what's the fall going to look like for the NFL for college football? Um I mean it, 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 do do we have any idea at this point, or is it a we're just going to have to keep waiting and seeing? But you know, camps are going to be starting here soon,
1: theoretically, right? Right. I think. um I think there will be no high school football. I think there will. I think there's going to be a tremendous effort to try to figure out how to make college football happen. And of course, the Big Ten came out, Pac-10 came out this week. They said there were not going to be any non-conference games. Um, You know, but I I think where you've got the problem in college football is that as long as you have a risk out there of COVID and especially when you're thinking about COVID and you know, college football, college football comprised of many, many uh, a very large majority of African Americans who have been severely challenged um in, in this you know, COVID pandemic just based on several circumstances that are, are out of their control for the most part. Um, I, I, I question whether or not college football will happen in, in the fall. Um, and I, I think they'll, you know, there's a, probably a good chance before too long they'll move it to the spring. Um, mm-hmm. And then in, in, in addition to that, so I, I have every belief in my body and every bone to say that we will have NFL football. I think that, they, and I think the thing is for for the NFL, they'll have enough of a of a landing strip, if you will, of other sports doing things to be able to learn and put those things in into practice, and they will pull out everything that they can to make that happen. That's how I see it.
2: Yeah, I agree. You know, with the NFL, nothing will stop the NFL. They just they they will make their money. Exactly. I'll go a little further on college football. I don't think they should play. Um, Best case, I think they should move to spring. Um, But I think a lot of the things that give me a little bit more comfort about the professional leagues do not have parity in college football. Yes, Uh, Michigan, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, all these schools, yes, they have world-class facilities. They have world-class doctors. But you start moving down in these conferences, they do not have the same means to care for their players, to provide the same degree of due diligence, uh, even down to just the quality of, of food and, and equipment and, and sanit- sanitizing. Like there's a huge parity issue there in college football. Uh, and I think that creates a disproportionate risk. And because of that, I do not think they should play. There is no way that you can ask, a, this is a bad example, but, you know, an Appalachian state to try, because they probably have a little few more resources than many other schools of their size, just to, to compete, you know, to, trying to provide comparable services as Alabama. I mean, it's just totally, you know, even even the the, the dumpster fire that is the Marlins, they're still a professional team. You know, they're still going to be able to provide quality of, of care that's on par with or of support that's on par with the other major league teams. That is not the case financially, literally, not the case in college football.
0: And not only that, but the Marlins will have to conform to the rules set down by Major League Baseball. Right. That's right. College sports are a much more wishy-washy type of situation. I mean, the NCAA will put some basic guidelines in place. Conferences will put some basic guidelines in place. But college sports is not a place where we worry about competitiveness or parity or anything else like that. Um, And Also, just the scope. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's hundreds of teams. Right. I mean... No question. I don't
1: I think it. it's feasible. And, and I think, and again, we go back to the comment uh, about the NFL. The NFL do it because it it's money, right? And I think with, 100%. with college football, 100%. But, but the thing with the college is, you know, and college in general and college athletic programs, you know, unless you're in the top 10%, you are not flush with money. No, you're, you're in are, the red. And it, yeah, and and I, I when I'm looking and and especially these cow I mean, you're gonna have a a significant a drop of students attending college as a whole yeah. this coming fall. Is we we've had forever, which I mean, we we can debate all day long if that's really what should have been happening all along. But I mean, that's that whole another ball waxed outside of the scope of this show. But but the general point being is that. If you're not having those dollars come in, it could be almost impossible to do what you need to do in order to make sure that to to maintain the health of the players that are there. And as a result, that's where I think you know college football is, is probably not going to be play, play. I don't believe it will be played this fall, or if it is, it's going to be some sort of only Power Five conference. Yeah, I, I, I just
2: can't mm. see it. I mean, even down to the, the I mean, one the kids they're kids they're not professionals,
1: right? And so risk of
2: not their getting t- paid um, is, is a totally different. and but just if you just think about you know just the the quality I mean of athletes, in a, in a, in the NFL versus a, a, you know Tulane or whatever like pick a you know Missouri or a, a random like it's just worlds apart right like you know Alabama may have twenty guys that can make it to the NFL in any given year Well, the NFL is full of only guys who can make it to the NFL right and so just their own health the way that they take care of themselves the way that the resources are in place for them to be taken care of like I just don't see it I just don't see how it's possible
1: the 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 only thing making this potentially possible is the fact that as we see the deaths continue to go down and the mutation of this disease basically, you know, be a lot less dangerous than it was back in the spring. And, And that's where, you know, someone makes a decision to go, hey, you know, and especially with the, and with college football. Now, if you're not having a conference schedule, Right or a non conference schedule you're looking at at not really getting underway until the first weekend of October something in in that neighborhood or at the end of September, so we're talking about what two and a half months out and yeah they're going to do their you know practices and stuff like that w- What I'm getting at though is that if the if if the actual characteristics of this disease go through a drastic change where Again, it poses less threatening. Then, then maybe that could different, you know, a result for college football.
2: And and I obviously have zero, no, no, no medical background. But here's what I would offer, kind of as a counterbalance to that: is that they are playing a sport by which they are causing immense damage to one another, intentionally, right? I mean, things that short, literally shorten lifespans, and they're doing it week over week, and they're they're having internal injuries, they're having head injuries lacerations, all these things which require their immune systems to fire at a much higher level that they take painkillers, pain they get shots, they do, you know, cold baths. I mean, they're inflicting damage on one another. And so we don't know how, you know, and in, in they're younger, they're less at risk, their lungs are in better condition, all those things are in their favor, but they are also trying to kill each other a little bit. And so, how, you know, how does that, how does, you know, how does a guy who gets beaten up for three and a half hours on the line? another guy that weighs 400 pounds with 350 pounds, you know, and then comes down with a pretty nasty, you know, bout of COVID, you know, what does, what does that mean? I don't know. I just, to me, it just can, again, contributes to the lack of feasibility of it. And,
0: and the other thing that I would say um, is that what we're going to see, and it's just starting to to creep out into the narrative uh, as Florida finally released some of its statistics is that, Pneumonia and influenza deaths in the United States are way up, and so these are people who were not tested for COVID or maybe tested negative for COVID. I'm sure, but in Texas and Florida, for certain, they're up fivefold from the same time period last year. That's not coincidence. Um, sure. That that that's absolutely something. Uh, and just looking at something from. Um, the National uh, Center for Health Statistics, I I mean, this year, we're looking at a 16% spike in influenza and pneumonia deaths. So, not classified as COVID in any way. Um, So, I I think there's some cooking of the books going on. I think there's a lack of testing in some instances going on. Um, and, And I think there's more attention being paid to it going on. So, at some point so the narrative is going to change five more times uh probably before even the nfl season starts so it it I, I don't know i i just i think we should be very careful in um in the information that's floating around out there and that they might come out with a study tomorrow that, that completely changes that i i who knows but it, i i am very concerned that we're going to find that the accuracy of the reporting has been pretty awful um, and not in a good way. I think we're gonna find that it's awful in a bad way. Um, And and part of it too, is the fact that we've never, at least in the digital era, in the information era, we've never had to deal with this before. I mean, it's been a hundred years since we've had this kind of an outbreak and reporting has consistently not been accurate forever. That's not new. And now there's a much bigger spotlight shined upon that because of the technology that we have now, the ability to trace things that we have now that we didn't have in the nineteen hundreds um, the the access to information it has changed the game so much. I mean it's it's and I'll stop my soapboxiness here in just a moment, but it, it we've always had idiots in this country. We've always had bigots and racists in this country. We've always had uh, people with opinions that are so stupid that you lose brain cells when you hear them. It's just that with social media, their voices are amplified. Uh, It used to be the guy standing on the street corner, literally on a soapbox, you know, or maybe writing an op-ed that made its way into the New York Times or one of the other four papers that were in existence in the country. Now it's any fool on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or Instagram or any other place that can put their opinion out into the world. And it has, I would love to do a study on that, of you know the impact of social media on public discourse. Um, but I have taken this train and, and just taken it right off the rails and rolled over into a ditch upside down on fire. So let's not do that anymore. <sighs> so the NFL will keep an eye on what's going on
2: there. <laughs> How
0: <about those> <laughs> Smooth as always. W X O U Auburn Hills. No, wait, we're not on the radio anymore. Darn it. So anyway. Um, yeah, let's talk about the NHL. How about that? That sounds great. <laughs> One dumpster fire to another? Yeah,
1: that lottery. Well, you the lottery, and and I mean to me the the opportunity. And again, we talked about this with baseball on the la- on the last uh, podcast we did. Uh, you know, and and t- with the NHL, I think just dragged their feet, and, and it seemed like in in this particular case, uh, while baseball, I I put it way more on the owners. Uh, in in the, in NHL, there seemed to be no urgency by the players or the. Uh, um, the, the the owners to kind of you know know and of course, girl urgency from a good friend Gary Bettman who wouldn't know an opportunity if it was if they if they spelled it out in front of them and in, in gigantic letters and look, I mean,
0: look, 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 he is just so excited right now that he's not the worst commissioner in the four major sports oh. that he is probably, you know, uh, in a hotel room passed out under a kilo of coke. So, you know, from celebrations. So, and of course, that was a joke, but you get my point.
1: Wow, what the scenario there? No, but but I think
0: <laughs> I left out the rest of what was going around in my head because wow. I realized that could be I felt like misconstrued.
2: A guy, honestly, he just likes to just numb it. You know, just <laughs> just the pain of getting booed for every Stanley Cup Finals for the last twenty-five years.
1: Yes. But 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 going back to the Detroit Red Wings, they were by far the worst team in the NHL. Uh, by far, should have at the very should have had at least a top three pick of the lottery. No and question. Somehow, somehow, and then they have a playoff team that gets the first you know pick in the draft, and it just it it literally is the book of how you don't do things it, yes. with, with the NHL. And, and I I mean for, for the Red yeah. Wings. It's so frustrating because, like, you've been by far the worst or playing organization now the last couple of seasons, and you can't get a, a whiff of luck in the draft. And, and, and of course, no no indication that they're going to change this any time soon. No, I wouldn't. We
0: well, it's Gary Bettman still passed out, but, I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it what if you're the Ottawa Senators too who have been historically bad for the last few seasons and had two lottery picks they had a 25 percent chance of getting a number one pick they get three and five like like the top two picks don't even go to the two franchises that had a, a, a legitimately should have gotten those picks yep. and, and, and Ottawa had two shots at it so it's 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 stupid the NHL is stupid, Gary Bettman is stupid, and it's only by virtue of the fact that they have a very dedicated fan base, and generally, lately have done marketing fairly well, and have had a pretty good product on the ice, that they're not in worse shape, so... But they're starting again, and I, I completely spaced on this earlier, but they're starting again August 1st. That is theoretically when they're supposed to resume under this uh, tournament-y sort of format. They're going to have some round-robin games and then actually do more of a tournament-style deal. Um, but um, they're have not. Uh, they doing a two-week training camp, so we won't really have the rubber hit the road until what next week end of next week something like that so it'll be very interesting to see
1: and they'll be their bubbles will be in i think edmonton and toronto if i'm not mistaken so they've gone ahead they've selected canada to go ahead and and maintain all their activity which um as of right now from the covid standpoint seems to be a really uh, for all the bashing of the NHL, they might've made a very good decision. So um, in terms yeah. of their geographical location. So.
2: Yeah. And I, I think for a, a number of reasons, I think, yeah, obviously the number of cases is one, but you know, there's also just the facilities too, right. You know, and with the exception of a few places in the U S you know, Toronto is, is a place that's got a lot of ice rinks, right. we got a lot of facilities that are set up for this in the way that the NBA was able to kind of fall backwards into you know, the, the, the Disney, um, you know, kind of, uh, setup, up, right. You I know, mean, just made a lot of sense, you know,
0: and you got such a high percentage of NHL players are also from Canada and obviously crossing the border right now is, is a significant concern. Like the blue Jays are concerned, you know, you mentioned them earlier B of, um, they're concerned about being able to cross the border and they may have to spend their entire season in the United States. Um, because they're not going to be allowed to cross, or at least that had been a consideration that might've been resolved by now. But I know that was one of the conversations that was going on was maybe the Blue Jays had to find a different place to play because the countries aren't going to allow free passage. So I think that's, well, no, Canada still has a restriction, Um, but maybe, maybe a business um, there isn't a business restriction Oh, that's something I should look up. I meant to do that. So the uh, the factory department is is sleeping right now. So anyway, so that's NHL. The only other thing that I thought might be interesting to talk about, and Adam, you mentioned this uh, in the email you sent out, um, and you've mentioned golf on a couple of occasions. Um, we did have the Belmont Stakes also, and, and we did mention a little bit about that earlier as well, but also NASCAR and their ability to return um to activity but also the whole situation with Bubba Wallace and what a what a crazy scenario that was.
1: You know, and, and the thing is, I mean, when they first started, I mean their ratings were tremendous. NASCAR's ratings were absolutely tremendous. Then the Bubba Wallace new hanging rope, whatever we want to call it situation popped up. Then all of a sudden their ratings absolutely went through the floor i mean there was almost a to, to a halt in terms of people watching uh of the situation and i i i don't want to get too far into the, the the you know the fbi being involved i really but 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 in general nascar has been able to get up and running they've only had one covid case jimmy johnson who's going to be out for about a week um, and, um, uh, you know, right now, uh, you know, the situation in NASCAR is they need to get the people back watching it in order for it to be, you know, rather successful. I mean, I think I, I, I have not looked at what the ratings have been for like the PGA Tour. Uh, but again, they've only had three people, uh, three players, uh, no caddies as far as I know, uh, that have had, uh, you know, the COVID situation. There have been players that have withdrawn. You know, and said, "Hey, mm-hmm. I was playing with this person, so I'm going to be out for two weeks because I want to." I mean, there's been a lot of general individual responsibility has played out in the uh, um uh um in in, in golf, but uh, and in fact, uh, they played at the Rocket uh, Mortgage uh, Classic here uh, last weekend, where uh, the always controversial Bryson DeChambeau went ahead and pulled out the uh, victory uh, over their D. Detroit Golf Club, um, and he uh, was bombing 350-yard drives, uh, uh, you know, swinging uh, out of his socks uh, uh, in in that one. But uh, you know, I and mean, then people, uh, you know, that they, they've, uh, you know, they, they've been rather successful uh, right now. You know, they're going to play at the uh, uh, Mirror Field down in uh, um, Columbus now for the next two weekends. Uh, They'll have the Memorial next weekend, but they have the uh, Workday Championship. So it'll play like a completely different course between the two weeks, especially length and and whatnot. Uh, And, you know, as far as horse racing, we did have the Belmont, uh, the Kentucky uh, a couple weeks ago. Belmont, uh, the, uh, Kentucky Derby will be, um, uh the Kentucky Derby will be the uh, Kentucky Derby will be Labor Day weekend, and then the Preakness. That we reported last uh, time that the Preakness wasn't going to happen, but now they've gone ahead and they stated that'll happen on October third uh, at Pimlico. Belmont, uh, usually a mile and a half, they went ahead. And I think it was a mile and three eighths or something, something like, like that. that. So they yeah. did they did make it shorter. Um, obviously, no people there, uh, but uh, in in general, it was very kind of surreal watching it uh live with all different uh, owners at different places and whatever but um um things are happening Th- things are absolutely happening but going back to your original question I- i'm hoping that nascar can get past that but unfortunately nascar has been uh, a sport that has had dwindling ratings throughout the year just basically maybe and to be viewed really as a, a niche sport that you know did really well for a while but maybe just in general was fading uh, and they looked like they were taking the opportunity of being in the only show uh, uh going on but now that's kind of tailed off for probably a myriad of reasons so yeah.
0: yeah it's their their ratings are, are, are actually up over um certain things last year but when you take it in the complete context um they're not great for nascar no. um like the brickyard 400 was actually higher than the last brickyard 400 ratings a few years ago but the context there being it was like the brickyard 400 was uh, during like week one of the nfl um in the in 2017 so your ratings are not going to be good against uh that As opposed to being one of the only games in town so any other uh, last things you guys wanted to get to before we get out of here
1: not here I think we've covered it all I do think
0: so all right well with that said um, I'm not sure when we're planning on uh, doing this again Um, you know I think a a large part of that uh, depends on what happens in the sports world Um, I mean, who knows at this point? Isn't that really the theme of the year, is who knows? Um, Or there was an amusement park in Japan that has said that um, you're no longer allowed to scream on roller coaster rides. And so their advice is to scream inside your heart. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the motto for 2020, scream inside your heart. And with that small bit of wisdom and with thanks to Brandon Lee and Adam Swenson, my name's Justin Lee. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Saturday morning sports emporium for this July 11th. And, uh, so pay attention, uh, watch Facebook and all those other fun places. And we'll let you know when we be doing this again, but I imagine you'll uh, hear from us in August at some point in time. Yep. Take care and stay safe, everybody. And, uh,